Uh, let's uh, open our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter number 6 tonight, if you would please. i got an unusual message tonight that just come out of the uh, kind of nowhere. I mean, if I was going to think about what I was going to be preaching, this would be the probably the last thing that I would preach on. Uh, but the Lord uh, impressed it on my mind uh, actually Monday morning. Uh, they're praying at the office. But right before we get started with that, uh, Sister Tammy, you come up here and let us pray for you. I can tell you're under a load tonight. And uh, you come up here and get Brother Sammy and everyone else wants to come up here. And uh, let's pray for her, some issues concerning uh, Penelope. Of course, that's always near her heart and all of ours. And uh, so uh, let's just pray for her tonight. And uh, Brother Sammy, you lead us if you would. Father, we just come to you, Lord, this evening, and uh, Lord, there'd be something bad wrong with us if we knew that a brother or sister, uh, Lord, was greatly distressed, and uh, we wouldn't take the time to pray for them. Now, Lord, we know uh, Penelope, Lord, is, uh, Lord, she's in your hands. Uh, we know, Lord, that you said, suffer little children to come to me, and I'll bless them. And, uh, Lord, we know how she loves church. We know how the church loves her. And I just believe that God is going to just take care of all of that uh, situation that threatens every now and then. And, uh, Lord, what's needed more than uh, anything else, Lord, is, uh, Lord, more of you in the mother's life. And, uh, Father, we pray for whatever that spiritual need is. But, uh, Lord, we been reading about spiritual warfare, uh, been Caleb preached about it Sunday night, and so we know there's some of it going on, so we want to join in and pray and ask God to just relieve the burden, just relieve the pressure, give that peace of God that passeth all understanding, and Lord, let this thing quickly flip around to the better, uh, Lord, as it has so many times when we prayed about a serious situation before we got home, God had already flipped it around. May it be so, God, I pray. We'll give you the praise. Lord, we come to you with our problems because you are so willing to help us. And really, nobody else wants them. But Lord, we bring them to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. First Timothy chapter 6. First ten verses tonight, and uh, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren. And uh, this is, of course, in the days of slavery when Paul is writing this. And it's kind of a like a Philemon uh, deal there that uh, Paul is talking about here. And uh, really about the only way we could, uh, in our kind of a day, uh, make any application at all. We could make some application to folks that we work for and people that are over us at a job. Uh, but that's about it. But he said, because they are faithful... Uh, beloved partakers of the benefit, these things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
unto the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing but dotting about questions and strife of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil, surmising, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, unto many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Thanking be said, Father, we just ask that, Lord, that what you spoke into my heart this week, that you'll preach it out into somebody else's heart, into all of our hearts. And, uh, Lord, uh, let us see what you want us to see tonight here in these verses of the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. The key verse in what I've read, the key verse is verse 9. He said, they that will be rich. Now oftentimes we read these verses and we apply them to the rich, which I'll do some of that tonight. But notice he said that the key verse here is they that will be rich. Not they that are rich. Not they that are rich, but they that will be rich. More people, there's more people in the world that would be rich than is rich. And there's more temptation in our day than there ever has been before. Because there's more ways to get rich. Jesus preached a lot about money. When I first started preaching, someone told me, they said, son, said just preach the Bible, but, don't stay, but stay away from money. Well, that's a little hard to do. Uh, that's a little hard to do because Jesus preached a lot about money. In Matthew 6, Jesus preached, don't lay up a bunch of money down here where moth and rust and, uh, will, will eat it up and it, thieves will break in and steal it. But he said, lay up some treasures up there uh, where there is no moth or rust and B.R. Lakin said any crooked politicians to steal it. In Matthew 23 and verse 14, Jesus blasted the Pharisees because they were devouring widows' houses. In other words, they were trying to get the widows to give their houses to them. Uh, like uh, some ministries do today. In Matthew 25, there is the parable of the talents. And I've preached it. I have a, I have a message I preach out of that chapter on scarecrows. And, and one man's given five talents, one man, uh, one man uh, three, and uh, one man uh, uh, two, and one one, I think is the way it goes. But really, that's a misuse of the chapter. Really, it's not talking about talents in the way I use it in that message. I talk about a man might have uh, five talents. He can preach, sing, teach, uh, 
somebody else might have two talents. They can sing and play an instrument. But really that's a misuse of the Scripture because the word talent that's used there is talking about a, a certain amount of money uh, that God has uh, given to them. In Luke 12, Jesus, Jesus preaches and warns against covetousness, trying to get things. Jesus says a man's life, He said it don't consist of the things which he possesses. He goes on in verse 14 to verse 20 and tells the parable about the rich farmer that he calls a fool that I'll say a little, say a little bit more about in a minute. In Luke 16, he tells about the rich man that died and went to hell. And in Luke 18, he tells about the rich young ruler that comes running to Jesus and wants to know what to do to have eternal life. And Jesus told him to sell all you got and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the Bible said he went away sorrowful. And his disciples said, who then can be saved? Because in Abraham's day, in Bible days, uh, for a man to have a lot of land, a lot of money, that meant that he was extra blessed of God. And so they were saying, why, if this rich ruler can't be saved, who can be saved? And Jesus makes that strong statement. Jesus says, uh, uh, how hardly uh, shall the rich enter in to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus preached a lot about money and possessions. In the Bible, there is 38 parables in the Bible. 16 of them have to do with dealing with money and possessions. In the Gospels, every 10 verses, uh, uh, it would work out that there is a reference uh, uh, to money or possessions uh, 288 times in all of the Gospels totaled. Prayer is mentioned 500 times in the Bible. Faith is mentioned less than 500, between four and 500 times, but money and possessions is mentioned over 2,000 times in the Bible. And so when I began to get all this out, it blowed me out of the water, really, when I found out there was that much in the Bible about money. Now, I'm preaching on verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. I'll give anybody here tonight a hundred dollars that can find me one sermon by Joel Osteen out of a King James Bible preaching on that verse. And I'll give you another hundred dollars if you can find a sermon out of a King James Bible by Benny Hinn or Kenneth Copeland preaching on that verse. They wouldn't get within ten miles of it. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now Paul's letter to Timothy is filled with timeless truths. This is only one of them. There's a bunch of them in there. But the one I'm wanting to look at tonight is the truth about money. Paul points out a fundamental flaw in the human nature of man. That is the fact that man is always discontented. Uh, the Bible said godliness with contentment is great gain. But... But it points out in the Bible many times in the Apostle Paul and the Bible itself bears it out that man is always discontented. An artist painted a picture and, uh, and, he, and the name of the picture is discontented. And in that picture it is, a, it is a, it's two lots. 
about two exactly five acre lots. Both of them are the same size. They have the same kind of fence around those lots. There's one mule in one lot and there's one mule in the other lot. And in the picture he paints it, the mule in this lot has got his head stuck through the fence in that lot and the mule in that lot's got his head stuck through the fence in the other lot and they're both exactly the same and he calls the picture discontented. Discontented. Man is a discontented being. Uh, that's, that's what got us thrown out of the garden. Uh, man w- wouldn't content. Woman wouldn't content with what God had given them. But Paul in this chapter, uh, Paul he emphasizes uh, some things about money, some truth about money that is absolutely true. Amen. First of all, Paul gives an ex- explanation about the things that are really essential. What do we have to have? Well, if you're asking us tonight, we got to have a TV, and it better be a big one. Uh, we got to have we got to have not just thirteen channels. We got to have five or six or seven hundred channels, even though we only watch three or four of them. Uh, we have to have uh, new cars and new houses and and new clothes and new everything else. Why? Because man is a discontented being. And, and he knows that. But he don't have to be that way. He said, Godliness with contentment is great gain, he said. Well, what is it that we really have to have? Well, according to what Paul says here, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Having something to wear, having something to eat, Paul says, let us be content. You say, you've got to have somewhere to live. The homeless people prove you don't. Amen. They live in the, under the bridge and wherever else they might go. But Paul says, the two things that you really have to have is you have to have food and raiment. Amen. And he said, be content with the food. Should I stop here and give the altar call now? I mean, we're not content with just food. It's got to be the right kind of food. Amen. But Paul said having food and raiment, not just clothes, but special kinds of clothes, Paul said be content. Now, let me show you something here. This is true. The truth is, godliness helps with contentment. I want to say that again. Godliness helps with contentment. The more godliness you have, the more contented you are. You say, well, I don't believe that, Brother Rick. What's all through the Bible? Uh, You take Nero. He was over the whole Roman deal. Nero had everything, but he was so discontented. But you take Paul that he put in a jail cell in Philippi. And Paul writes the Philippian letter there, and the key word in that letter is joy. Here's a man ain't got nothing in a jail cell. Uh, get whatever they bring him to eat. And this man has godliness and contentment. He writes in the Philippian letter, I have learned in whatever state I'm in, therewith to be content. Now, 
Let me, let, me, let me elaborate on that statement a little bit. Paul said, Therefore, I've learned in whatever state I'm in, therewith be content. Well, I don't think Paul means uh, uh, that I should be content with cancer. I should be content with COVID. I should be content with those kind of things. Uh, but what Paul is saying is, uh, I believe I'm here in the jail because God wants me here. Uh, and when I get wherever God wants me to be at, I need to be content because I know that's where God put me at. Uh, amen. So Nero is unhappy and Paul is full of joy. I think about Ahab, oh Ahab, uh, married to the wickedest woman in the Bible. One man said, I, that's not true, I am. Well, I think Jezebel's the wickedest woman in the Bible. Amen. And God even uses her as a kind of a slang byword uh, to talk about women, uh, wicked women. Amen. She was a Jezebel. But Ahab wasn't too far ahead of her. And here's Ahab. He's the king. Uh, he's got all the land, all the power, all the palace. I mean, Ahab's got everything. Uh, but he's discontent. Why? He looks out there and he sees one little spot of ground uh, that belongs to a man named Naboth. Uh, and uh, even though he's got all this other stuff, he can't enjoy it because of that one little spot that he don't have. But there's a man, and so Ahab, he's pouting at the palace. But there's a man there in that little spot, Naboth, uh, and he's proud as a peacock. He's happy as a lark uh, uh, because his father left him that little piece of ground and he's satisfied with it. You say, why? He's got God and Ahab don't have God. John is by the cross. You say, why is John by the cross? John is there by the tree of Calvary. And John is there because of love. His other comrade, Judas, is hanging from a cliff, not standing by a tree, but hanging from a tree. Uh, you say, why? For $19.20, he sold out the Lord. For what? For money. For money. Amen. Uh, that rich young ruler, he went away sorrowful. He's rich. He's young. He's powerful. He's got money. Uh, but the Bible said he went away sorrowful. Uh, uh, but the disciples of Jesus have left their boats. They've left their net. They've left everything. Uh, and they're as happy as they can be. And they're rejoicing uh, uh, because the devils are subject unto their name. They're rejoicing even more when Jesus said rejoice because your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. I want you to know that Paul says, stop and think about it. What is really essential? What could you do without? What could you live without? Well, we could all live without a lot more than what we think we could. We may find that out. We may learn that if the Lord don't lift us out of here and the things keep going the way they're going. Uh, Iran is, is, is weeks away, possibly a month away, possibly closer than that, uh, to having a nuclear weapon. And as soon as they get one and get something to shoot it with, brother, they won't be waiting on much. And uh, so we don't know. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen right now. Uh, right now, we got it made in the shade, amen. But we don't know how long that's going to happen. And so we see an explanation about what's essential. Paul said, "Having food and raiment, let us there, therewith be content." Something to pray about, ain't it? 
Have you ever prayed about being content? Prayed about a lot of things, but you ever prayed, Lord, just help me just be content with what I got? Lord, Lord, if you want me to have something, I appreciate it, but if you don't, just let me be content. I got what I got. I'm talking about the truth about money. Now the Bible makes a statement here in verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now all the other versions will trash the King James Version. And all the other versions will say that's not right. And they'll say what that should say is the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Well, I'm going to stay with the King James Bible. And I'm going, to, I'm going to say that you do like my wife. She likes to watch these crime shows. She watches a lot of them. If I come up messing, y'all check it out, alright? But I've heard them, I don't know how many times I'll be sitting there watching it with her. And I, and I, hear, the, I hear the detective say this, well, we usually catch them, we just follow the money trail. They said, we'll just, we'll just follow where the money leads to. Somebody said one time, our government does so many things that don't make a lick of sense. And somebody said, if it don't make sense, there's a dollar bill behind it. And you better believe that. Amen? Uh, but Paul lists six different evils here that I'm going to bring out in just a minute. But the Bible said the love of, love of money is the root of all evil. You know why people are pushing drugs and trying to get them across the border tonight? Money. You know why they're trying to be rich? You know why these people out here selling it? Well, some of them selling it so they can feed their own habit. But some of them thinking one day that they'll be rich. Remember what the text said? He said, For the love of money is the root of all evil. And he said, and they that will be rich. Not that they are rich, but they're trying to be rich. They're trying to be rich. What about this child trafficking? you got to watch your kid. And uh, I tell you, it's, it's, I heard one preacher say this. I thought about it. He's got a point. He said, you ought to post your kid's picture all over the internet all the time. You say, why? Because these people out there are looking for a pretty little kid to kidnap. But you know why they want to kidnap them? They don't want the kid. Money! Money! The love of money is the root of all evil. And almost, almost a large percentage of those shows, those crime shows, a large percentage of them, it always winds up right before they kill the woman, right before he kills, uh, she kills the husband. They always take out about a million dollar life policy. Amen. That's how they, that's one of the quickest ways they find them. They, they check life insurance. Amen. And so, why they do that? Money. They do it for money. What about, what about these people high up in our government that handle secret things? And they sell it to Russia. They sell it to China. We don't know how much of that goes on. We call them, we call them traitors is what we would call them. Why do they do that? To be rich. To get rich. They that will be rich. What about these folks that Go in a bank or store 
and they rob somebody. Why do they do that? Money. Money. The Bible said, for the love of money is the root of all evil. You just follow it back sooner or later, you're going to run up on a dollar bill. Why do these false prophets become false prophets? Money. First Peter said they'll make merchandise of you. Uh, Kenneth Copeland's got his own jet plane. Uh, bigger than the president's probably. And a lot of the others. Why do they do that? Money, money. What makes them? A lot of them were good uh, preachers when they started out. But what happens? Well, they would be rich and they fell into many temptations and a snare of the devil. Amen. You see, right now, I saw on the news last night, right now, the Powerball, I guess it is, is $530 million. And everybody that bought a ticket yesterday or today, you know why they bought that ticket? They bought that ticket in hopes that they might get rich. Amen. So i never heard nothing like this before. Probably ain't never been nothing like this before. Most people stay away from it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says tonight. We're not, we're not in prodigal son tonight. We're in 1 Timothy 6. The Bible said the love of money is the root of all evil. Listen to what John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist church said. This is what John Wesley said. As riches increase, so will pride, anger, and love of the world in all of its branches. What way then can we take that our money will not sink us to the nethermost hell? There is no way under heaven if those who gain all they can, save all they can, will turn around and likewise give all they can, then the more they give and gain, the more they will grow in grace and the more treasures they will lay up in heaven. Amen. Uh, you say that old man's been gone a long time. Yeah, but the truth lives on. It don't change. Amen. Well, there's six things listed here I want to give you tonight. And the first one is talking about the, the love of money is the root of all evil. First of all, there's deception. Verse 9. He said, they that be rich shall fall into temptation. If you got a temptation. You see, the thing about money is a lot of people never get enough. They could, uh, the more they get, the more they want. And so it leads, though they would start out, they would never do anything like that. But as they get more and more into it, they're trying to do some kind of a deal that's not honest or not right, and they're tempted to do that. Number two, Paul says that it's dumb. Verse, verse 9, he said, shall get into temptation and a snare, and many foolish, foolish, in other words, Paul's saying it, it's foolish, it's hurtful, it's dumb, is what he's saying. Why is he saying that? Because of what he says further on down. You can't take it with you. Amen? I mean, why, why would you put yourself in a position to be more tempted and more hurt and get into another snare of the devil? Why would you do that? And knowing all along you can't take it with you. Can't take it with you. 
It don't matter if you got $10 or $10 million. Everything stays here. You can't, you can't take it with you. That's, uh, that's what uh, Jesus was emphasizing in Luke, the 12th chapter, that parable. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns. I'll build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? In other words, the Lord is saying, the Lord is saying you can't take it with you. And if you leave it behind, if your kids are speaking to themselves, they probably won't be after you die. Amen. You say, ain't you supposed to leave your kids something? Yeah. What about a, a heritage? What about some faith? What about a Christian life? What about the fact you love Jesus? What about the fact you loved God? You, you paid your tithes. You never did have much money, but you always were faithful to give God what was His. What about leaving your kids something like that? He said it's deceptive. It's dumb. He said it's destructive. Watch again. Same verse. What's drowned man in destruction and predictation. In other words... How many people have got killed trying to get rich? Not because they was rich, but trying to get rich. It's on television 24-7. I mean, you look at it, it's on there 24-7. Somebody gets killed because they're trying to get rich. And Paul's, Paul's warning against it here. You say, I don't, I don't like this part of the Bible. I can't help it, it's in there. You say, ain't nobody here rich. It's not written to people that are rich. It's written to people that are trying to get rich. Amen. He said it's destructive. He says it's disfiguring. Look at verse 10. And they perish themselves through with many sorrows. Have you ever heard this statement? Money changes people. You ever heard that? It's true, isn't it? Most of the time it is true. You say, I don't believe that. Just watch these, just watch some of these young country music stars as they first start out. Why, they're as pure as can be. Uh, they're as innocent as you could think about. But you check them out in about five years after they make it to the top. And they look a lot different up there than they did when they started out down here. Uh, money usually changes people. Money usually changes people's love for God. Money usually changes people's faithfulness to God. A lot of people go to a small church. Now some of them has got money to go to a small church because they don't have to worry about giving no money. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. 
they go to a little church and you look over on the board and you know they got a million, do- million dollars. They live in a half million dollar house. And you look over at the board in that little old church and the offering that Sunday's $30. Yeah. But some people, they leave the little church when they get some money. Why? They're uptown now. They're, they can be up there in that big church. Amen. Scotty helped a guy for a little while back when he back uh, when he first uh, started preaching. He went over and helped the church for a little while, and he come back and he said, "Daddy said that preacher said the difference between your church and his church. He said you got blue collar people and he's got white collar people." I said, "Well, you go back and tell him I don't have blue or white. I've just got people saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's all I got." And I guess he went back and told him because he wasn't there long. <laughs> Thanks to Pop. Amen. It's disfiguring. It changes things. It's devilish. Look at verse 9 again. He said it's the root of all evil. So I, I don't think it's the root of all evil. Follow the money trail. Just keep following the money trail. It's divisive. You say, what do you mean? Look at verse 10. Some have erred from the faith. This causes some people to leave the faith. I mean, I've seen a little of it over 43 years. I've seen folks that started to get up in the world a little bit. Someone said the more people get up in the world, the less they get down on their knees. A lot of truth to that. You do a lot more praying when you don't know where the light bill's coming from, the rent's coming from, the car payment's coming from. You do a lot more praying when you don't have to worry about none of that. Amen. I'm talking about the truth about money. It's divisive. It causes people. The Bible said that it'll cause some have erred from the faith. You say you got an example of that? Yep, Demas. Demas, having loved this present world, hath forsaken me. A lot of people, a lot of people take a job making a dollar more on the air that takes their family out of Sunday night service, out of Wednesday night service. What happens is they err from the faith. It ain't worth it. It's not worth it. Anything that causes you to go away from God and get away from the faith is not worth it. Amen? Alright, we've looked at what's essential. Well, the Bible says food and raiment. That's getting it down there to bare essentials. What's evil? Well, the Bible said the love of money. Now, we all know this. We've all said this. Money's not evil within itself. Uh there's a rare occasion a Baptist preacher with a hundred dollar bill. But that's not good or bad. It only becomes good or bad when I start loving it and what I do with it. That's what makes it that's what makes it bad. And the Bible doesn't say, and money is evil, but it said the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of it. So you got to have it. You think I don't know that? 
You're going to have some of it. But you better not, better not let it have you. If it, if it does, you're headed for trouble. Now let's look here. I've got a, ten minutes. Let's look here in uh, verse 6. Again, he said, But godliness with contentment is great gain. God can give us something that money can't buy. You couldn't buy it if you had a billion dollars. There's some things that God gives us that you couldn't buy. Now, now if you got if you got money and you get sick, you might get better medical care than maybe someone else would. You might be able to go to a better hospital, but they might still not be able to heal you. Money's not the all cure. Uh, I know people that's got a lot of money, but they, well, you know people, big people on the news. Uh, you see people that you see every day on the news, newscasters, people, you know they got all kinds of money, but they get sick. They die just like everybody else does. You say, why? Listen, money can't, money can't buy a cure, but God can give you enough grace to live with that sickness. Paul said he had this infirmity, probably something to do with his eyes. And Paul prayed that God would take it away. And God didn't heal him, though Paul laid hands on many and healed many and all of that. Paul prayed for himself and he couldn't even get healed. Well, uh, ever Christians experienced that. You prayed for somebody and they got better. You got sick, prayed for yourself. You didn't get better. But Paul, here's what Paul said. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. You see, money couldn't buy the grace that would be sufficient, but God could give it. God could give it. I'm talking about the expression of, 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 of what is enough. How do we know when we've got enough? Money can buy the best bed, the best mattress. I mean, it can move in every situation and every point and in every way. It can cool, it can heat up. It can do everything. Money can buy something like that, but it can't buy you one night's rest. But the Bible said, God said, He gives His beloved rest. How many times have you done like me? Just laid down and said, Lord, I'm so tired. Please let me sleep tonight. You go off sleep and God, God give that to you. The older you get, the more you start thanking God for things you never thought God for when you was young. You thank God your legs work. You can halfway hear. You can you can see some. Your hands work. You sit down and eat something that you've eaten all your life, but you sit down and eat it when you get older, and you thank God you're able to eat it and keep it down. I mean, those are those are real blessings. Money can buy a mansion. I mean, a, a mansion. Uh, one guy said he uh, he had a. Bath, uh, had a house, had 14 bathrooms in it. And the guy said, why would you want 14 bathrooms? What would you do? Just run to each one and flush them? What would you do? I mean, I'm, I remember the day when we didn't have no bathroom. We didn't have four rooms and a bath. We had four rooms and a path. We first got married. You say, oh, everybody's like that back then. No, not everybody. And folks would come to our house and 
they go talking about needing to use the bathroom. We try to change the subject or something, get them off on some other subject. They said, where's your bathroom at? It's out back. And I remember, I remember when we got our first bathroom, my wife's grandfather, he put it in a closet. Yeah, a closet. Not a big closet. And when you shut the door, you're just like this. But we was glad we had it. But look, it can buy a nice home, a big home, a house, but it can't buy a home. A little boy traveling across the country with his family and they saved up enough money to pull in a motel room. They sent him in to see if they had a vacancy. And the little boy went in and said, to, uh, wondered if you'd have a room tonight. We've been living out of the car and, and we was going to try to get a room tonight. We saved up enough, enough money to get a room. And the proprietor said, Son, you mean you don't have no home? He said, No, sir, I didn't say that. We got a home, but we ain't got no house to put it in. You see, God can give you a home. Money can give you a house. And anybody that's been in both situations would much rather have the home than the house. Amen. You see, money can't buy you character. Someone said reputation is what people think you are and character is what God knows you are. A lot of truth to that. Money can't give you peace. You say, oh, if I had money, I wouldn't be worrying about a lot of things. Or what you do then, you worry about the money. Brother Jack Woods, he always had a lot of money. He just kept it. And he was preaching. He told this. He said he always put his money under his mattress. And he said to him and his wife laid down one night and his wife, she said, I can't sleep. And he said, what's, what's wrong? She said, I'm worried about these bills. He said, oh, go to sleep. He said, there's $10,000 and under this mattress. She said, really? He said, yeah. She laid back down. A few minutes she started squirming again. He said, now what's wrong? She said, I'm afraid somebody's going to break in and kill us and get it all. You see, money don't necessarily uh, make everything like it ought to be. Amen? Uh, well, I need to quit here. i got five more minutes. But uh, money can't buy love. Now, a lot of people marry people for money, but the marriage don't have love in it. You can't make somebody, you can't pay somebody enough to love you, really love you. And certainly, money can't buy salvation. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. But now, notice this don't mess it, it don't say just godliness. It said godliness with contentment. It's coupled. It's coupled with something. Did you ever notice how many things in the Bible are coupled with something? In other words, it ain't just faith. You're not just saved by faith, but grace through faith. It's coupled with something. That's like prayer. You're not just supposed to beg God for stuff all the time, but the Bible said with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, prayer and praise go together. Faith and works go together. 
James said, show me your, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith with my works. Faith and works go together. Confessing and believing go together. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead. It's not just godliness, but it's godliness with contentment. Now notice this. Not only is it a paired couple, but it's a present blessing. There's a little word in there you need to circle. A little word in there that you need to circle. He said, Godliness with contentment, and there's that little two-letter word, circle it, is great gain. It's not something you're going to get later, right now. It's present blessing right now. It's a paramount thing. Look at verse 6 again. But godliness with contentment is gain. No, sir. Great gain. Great gain. It's paramount. Amen. It's paramount. Salvation, love, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, those are things that's worth more than money. Brother Bob McCurry said something one time I never forgot. He said, Brother Rick, he said, God's blessed us. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, won't neither one of us ever be no big preacher? We'll never pastor no humongous churches. He said, God's blessed us. He's kept us little. We don't have all them temptations all them other fellows do. Never thought about it, but uh, that's... Uh, Theology of a mountain country preacher, amen. Amen. All right, just some truths about money. Father, we come tonight, we thank you. I don't